Well, good morning. It is lovely to see you here at Charlotte Chapel this morning. A particular welcome to you if, for whatever reason, you're visiting. Uh, so good to see you. Hope you're going to feel at home. Um, we're not going to embarrass you in, in any way by asking you to do strange or, or weird things. Rather, we are a family of God's people, people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. We've come together to worship him, to praise him, to speak to him and to hear from him as he speaks to us through his word. So we welcome you. My name is Andy Patterson. I'm one of the pastors here at the chapel and, and good to see you. And want to remind us as we're gathered here that this is about Jesus. The one who unites us is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not here because it's like a social event or it's a religious thing to do or it's one of those tick box activities that we carry out to be Christians. We're here because we love Jesus. Jesus has rescued us. He's made all the difference to us. The one who entered time and space 2,000 years ago to die on a cross to rescue rebels like us, he's the one that unites us. And we want to know more about him and we want to respond in worship to him. So we're going to sing together, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, a song that speaks about this Lord Jesus Christ. Please stand. Thank you. 
We're going to speak to God in prayer. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we do indeed want to think about the wonder of your Son, our Savior, and worship him for his glorious love. We praise you for the wonder of his incarnation, for his obedience and sinless life, and the wonder that he suffered and died in place of rebels like us. We thank you that he rose again and is alive forevermore. And our longing this morning is that we might know more of that love and reflect it in our lives, both individually and as a church family. Focus our attention. Grip our hearts. And receive from us the praise and obedience that is yours by right. For the glory of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Well, in a moment or two, the children are going to be going out to their various classes and activities. That's children up to and including P7. Uh, uh, guys, you probably know who you are, but if you're here for the first time and you have family, just go to the back and folks will direct you to uh, where the children need to go, where you need to take uh, your kids. Um, could I just make a reminder to you, you do need to pick up your children after the service. Uh, please, um, we do have a lost property room, but we would rather not put them there for the week. If you could just pick them up uh, at the end, that would be great. And it might be worth remembering, around here, parking charges kick in at 12.30, and they are quite keen on making money. So by 12.30, just be sure that um, uh, you are back to your motor if you have come in that particular way. So um, it's also going, it is also a communion service. Uh, towards the end, we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper together, and if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to join us in that, if you love Jesus, if you're in good fellowship with God's people, we, uh, because of COVID regulations, we've been using these things. They were on the table outside. There are still some there. If you didn't pick one up as you came in and you'd like to take part later, um, maybe while the kids go out now, now is your opportunity also to go out. So, why don't you talk to your person sitting next to you while you're doing this? And if Natalia is here, if she'd like to come up, that would be great. Thank you. Children, off you go. Have a great time.
Okay, well, it seems a shame to break into uh, these conversations. Let's carry them on later as we continue to enjoy and encourage one another's company as we remind one another of God's precious truths and promises. Um, obviously, the, the big, the massive story that is overshadowing everything at the moment is the situation in Ukraine. I have Natalia here. Natalia has started attending uh, the chapel here. Um, she went to Hope Explored, and it's been a joy to get to know Natalia. And uh, I thought it would be useful if we spoke to Natalia um, just to ask questions about what, what, what she is uh, experiencing herself and, um, uh, and about what she knows. Now, we have a map, I think, of Ukraine coming up. Um, Natalia, thank you for sharing with us. Now, if you keep that good and close. Now, thank you for having me. Where, where did you live in Ukraine? I lived in Chernigov region. It's a small village where I lived, and my family are still there. So, um, Chernigov region is a north, and it's quite badly affected as well. Okay, so so, so to the north, and, and it's very bombed and very normal. Okay, yeah. you still have family there. I have uh, my cousins uh, in Chernigov region. They are a small town, Koryukilka, and some of my family in Kiev. The men are fighting. Okay, some and of my cousins. What are you hearing? Well, I keep in touch with them all the time, including in night, just asking, and they send me we're still alive. That is basically the good news. Okay, okay. And how do you think, as a church, we could be praying for this situation? Well, I pray for peace. Uh, yeah. I, I pray for, obviously, my family, for them to survive it. Sorry. That's okay. I pray even for Putin. It's hard, but I do. Yeah, for peace. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, Natalia, thank you so much for coming and sharing. And folks, as you get the opportunity, maybe uh, to say hi to Natalia and give her your encouragement. Sister, thank you for sharing. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to uh, pray in a moment or two. Let me just stick that back. Thank you. Um, and also say that as a church, we've decided that one of the things we should be doing is uh, contributing. We have... Uh, workers that we know working with OM who are involved in helping the situation with refugees. And we're going to be emailing church members with some of the details as to if you want to give, how you could give in this particular way. So emails will be coming through with connections as to how you might make any donations you wish to into this particular situation. Now let me pray specifically about this Sovereign Father, we want to pray for all those suffering in the Ukrainian conflict. We pray that you will hold back the bloodthirsty and encourage the peacemakers. We pray for all those who have been displaced and experienced loneliness, fear and confusion. We pray for the injured and wounded. We pray for separated families and frightened children. We especially pray for all believers in both Ukraine and Russia that they will be able to act boldly and show the love of Jesus in every situation, remaining anchored in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray for our own government that you would give them clarity and compassion 
as they respond. And enable us to reflect your grace both in practical ways and in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks to Natalia. Um, We're going to turn to God's Word. Paul Rita, our lead pastor, has been taking us through the book of Romans. And we are coming to a section of Romans which is saying that love is the fulfillment of the law. And Paul has asked me to to read from Deuteronomy chapter 5 and the first 22 verses where we see a summary of that law, the Ten Commandments, familiar to so many probably. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, I'm going to be reading from verse 1. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and the laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These are the commandments that the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to your whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire, the cloud, and the deep darkness. And he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. I'm going to ask Sito to come and join me. Sito, you might need to. Um, just while Sito is coming up, a reminder, therefore, that one of the, what we're going to be looking at from Romans is that love is the fulfillment of the law. 
that we should be those who, who love the Lord our God and express it in various ways. We've already talked movingly about the Ukrainian crisis, but uh, another recent crisis is the Afghanistan crisis and seeing many Afghans displaced. And uh, many actually have come to Edinburgh. And so I'm going to ask Sito to say something uh, about that situation and about how we, as a church family here, can help. Sito, thank you. Thank you. So uh, I'm sure we still remember the scenes on our televisions in, in late uh, August last year. Um, I met some of these people in October, uh, people who come, tells me of the harrowing experience of being in the ditch, being bombed, uh, showing the passports and the visas, and eventually clambering on, onto the planes. I uh, met some of them in October when they were housed in the airport hotel for, for a few weeks. But now, actually, 200 of them have decided to settle into Edinburgh. Um, half of the group is housed in a hotel in Haymarket and half in another hotel along Queens Ferry Road. So without me needing to say many more, well, we have our neighbours on our doorsteps. So the elders have um, decided that we should reach out and welcome them uh, to help them settle into uh, a new life here in Edinburgh. And to start off with, we are exploring uh, hosting a gathering for the families here probably in the rooms in the basement, weekly, probably on a Thursday morning, for, for them to come together to, uh, well, perhaps uh, share their lives, and also for us to be present, to be able to, in any way, help them in practical ways. Uh, and perhaps, if the Lord wills, to build good relations so that they might find the hope that we do have. So the point of me being here is we need volunteers. <laughs> Uh, we are partnering with Edinburgh City Mission because the council works through them. Um, so we have volunteers from there, but we do need volunteers from our own fellowship here. And I'm sure most of us do want to, yeah, welcome them and be, be part of the settling process. So that is the first thing. Um, other things will be events for men. Uh, we have not got any plans what to do with that, uh, bearing in mind that in as far as spiritual conversations and direction is concerned, uh, the men folk in their culture lead the way. Uh, and so further down the line, we will need people to help us to, uh, to find ways of engaging them. Um, there's one other thing which is in the pipeline, nothing confirmed, uh, but on March 21st, which is the spring equinox, it marks the, the, the beginning of a new year for the Afghan, in the Afghan calendar. So uh, we, we are planning something, and perhaps that could be a, a good welcoming situation for, for us to be part of with, with these 200 folks. Just imagine 200 folks. Uh, that sounds a big task. Anyway, the updates will, will come along in the form of our Facebook page and MailChimp. Uh, but today, I'll be at the, end, at the corner there, so please, if you are interested in joining us in this, uh, in, in this outreach, come and talk to me or email me. My address is in the church directory. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Do take a, take a seat. Um, I, just before Anna comes to lead us in our uh, pastoral prayer, could I also mention about Passion for Life? Because you'd have come in, there's leaflets on your seats, and 
Uh, have, a, have a look. There are two sorts of leaflets. These are just general flyers that we want to use to alert you to what's going to be going on uh, in our week, 10th to 17th of April, when we have the evangelist Michael Otts with us. Uh, we have a number of events planned. We have an art exhibition during the week that will be here in the building from 10 till 3. We have uh, Sunday services with Michael Ott's preaching. On the Tuesday, we have a Songs of Praise evening. On the Friday, we have an Easter praise evening. And we're asking that uh, the membership regulars here do make that a particular point of attendance and prayer. So set those two dates aside. And then on the uh, Saturday, there's going to be another event that's going to be announced, and that's going to be coming through uh, in some correspondence later. And also on the Sunday, Easter Sunday, we're going to be meeting here in the morning, and then in the evening, we're going to be going to the Usher Hall. And again, Michael Arts will be preaching there at the Origin Resurrection event. So um, if you can help in any way, I want you to come to these events, but if you can help in any way, we still do have sign-up sheets. I'm so grateful for all those who have signed up, indicated a willingness to help, but if you would like to help in any way, some of the stewarding that we need uh, done, helping with the cafe that's going to run during the art exhibition, or being just there to, you may say, cafe isn't my thing, but I would love just to mingle with folks and talk to folks who are coming and having a look at some of the works of art, let us know. We have a couple of clipboards that are out the back. Search them out, sign up, let us know, and we'll be in touch in due course. So thank you so much for that. I'm going to ask Anna to lead us in our pastoral prayer right now. Thank you, Anna. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you knowing you love to hear our prayers, that through your beloved Son, Jesus, you've taken away the sin that separates us from you, and you welcome us as your children. We thank you for your forgiveness and your kindness and compassion towards us. You are the creator and the ruler of the universe, and you make all things happen according to your good purposes. Thank you that as we bring you our requests, we can trust you to always do what is right. We long for more people to know you as their savior and recognize you as their king. Thank you for the opportunity we have to as a church to reach out to Afghan refugees in Edinburgh. And we pray that the love they are shown by Christians would draw many of them to Jesus. As we think of the upcoming Passion for Life mission, we pray that you would use the events we're preparing as a church to bring honor to your name and many people into your kingdom. We pray that the hope we have in Jesus's death and resurrection would come across tangibly through your gifts of art and music and through the welcome visitors receive. Please bless those who are working hard behind the scenes to make these events run smoothly and enable those speaking to proclaim the gospel clearly and boldly. Please give all of us confidence in the truth, the power and the goodness of the gospel and make us bold in inviting people we know. We ask you to overcome our weakness and fear by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help each of us to be faithful witnesses to you in our relationships with friends, neighbors, and colleagues. Help us to be good listeners and in love and gentleness, give us opportunities to point them to Jesus. 
We pray for Libby Lobbin and the Junction 12 mission in Glasgow. Thank you for the weekly school groups where young people hear about Jesus in a caring and fun environment. We pray for your work in the hearts and lives of those who go along. And we ask that more S1 and 2 pupils would come to the Monday group. Please may the upcoming Easter camp go ahead smoothly. We commit to you the two groups in Smithycroft School, helping young people through issues of identity, relationships, loss and change. Give the leaders wisdom and compassion. And please may the young people involved come to know their value as people made in the image of a loving God and the hope they can have by trusting you as their redeemer. Thank you for your promise that people from every tribe and people and language will be in your everlasting kingdom. We pray for the unreached Avar people in Azerbaijan. Thank you that the New Testament has been translated into the Avar language and there are a few believers. Please help these believers live out the grace and forgiveness they've received. We pray for the work of your Holy Spirit to bring repentance and open the hearts of more Azar people to your love and the freedom you bring from bitterness and shame. You tell us to come to you for our daily needs, and now we pray for those of our church who are in hospital and unwell. In particular, Sheila Howard, Betty McIntyre, Natasha Black, Sarah Forsyth, and Adrian and Val Todd. Please give relief and healing, and may they find strength and joy in you each day. Please give endurance to those who are caring for family members who are sick, to those who are struggling with work situations, and for parents who are facing challenges with their children. For these brothers and sisters and others on our hearts, please assure them of your faithful and everlasting love and guard them with your peace. In your great love, you gave up your rights and laid down your life for us. We've received that love, and yet so often we prefer our own convenience and comfort to serving others. Please forgive us. Please help us to value others as you value them. Please give us courage to serve our brothers and sisters who are going through difficult times and to share what we've been given with those in need. Thank you for your faithfulness in hearing our prayers. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, before Paul comes to preach God's word to us, we're going to sing once more, I stand amazed. So would you stand so we can sing this song together?
please take your seat and uh, let me add my welcome. Um, I'm Paul Rees and I serve as the lead pastor here and it's a great privilege that I have to preach God's word to us and if you want God to speak to you, why don't you just take a moment just to pray with me now. Father, we thank you that you love this world uh, despite its rebellion and sin and we thank you that you've spoken clearly through your son. Thank you that whoever trusts in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you that he was raised from the dead, so there's hope for us in all things, in all circumstances. And so please speak to each one of us now by your Holy Spirit as we uh, read your word, as we seek to reflect on it together. Do a work in each of our hearts. Empower us to live in a way that pleases you, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let me ask you a little uh, question at the start of this. Um, don't look around the room when, I, when, I, when you answer this question, but um, who do you find a difficult person to deal with? Just keep, keep your eyes focused. <laughs> who do you find a difficult person to deal with? Who is the person you try to avoid meeting? Uh, the person who, when you spy them out of the corner of your eye, you begin to make evasive maneuvers. Uh, because to be with them seems to induce in you a kind of um, stress, sort of a, a sense of irritability or frustration. And so you do your best to avoid them. Maybe it's someone, or maybe someone in your family. Uh, maybe it's one of your neighbors. Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's someone in this church. Uh, let's be real and honest this morning because um, I would imagine there are some people coming into your mind when I ask that question. And actually, we might be those people popping up in other people's minds, right? That's true, isn't it? Because these are the normal challenges of living amongst fellow sinful human beings. Uh, overlay on top of this the, the, the fact that we're from a diverse um, multi-ethnic group in this room. Uh, we have different personalities, different tastes, different backgrounds, different cultural norms and sensibilities. Then communicating with each other can be more challenging and difficult when we have such different backgrounds. Now what does God have to say to us? Now please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. This is where we've got to this morning, Romans chapter 13 and verse Eight. Let's take the time to read these verses. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Well, I've got three points for you this morning. Uh, the first one is this. Love is the ongoing debt. So the Apostle Paul is kind of wrapping up a section here that began all the way back in, in chapter 12, 
and uh, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And he has covered how Christians are called to love, how they're called to uh, love each other in God's family, how we are to even love our enemies, and how we are to even love those in governing authorities by doing things like paying our taxes. As it says in verse 7, give to everyone what you owe them. And so he closes this section by carrying forward this theme of debt. Verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding. Literally, owe no one anything except the continuing debt to love one another. Uh, some have taken the, this first part of it, uh, owe nothing to anyone, uh, to say that Christians should never have a mortgage or take out a loan. I don't think it's saying that, uh, as you look at the wider teaching of Scripture. But of course, before you take on a debt like a mortgage or a loan, you should have a very clear, realistic plan of how you're going to keep up the payments of it and repay it in the way that you've agreed. We should not take on debts that we have no intention of repaying or no ability or intention to repay. Uh, as Christians, we should be those who pay our taxes and look to repay any obligations that we have made to others so that we can get to a place where there's no debts hanging over us. But there is one debt that we will never be free from, the Apostle Paul says, and that is the obligation to love one another. Now, what does the Apostle Paul mean when he says uh, it's an obligation to love, this debt to love? Well, he actually said something very similar at the beginning of his letter. So you might want to keep your finger in Romans uh, 13 and turn back to Romans chapter 1 and verse 14. Romans chapter 1, verse 14. And he talks about the obligation he feels to preach the gospel. Look at chapter 1, verse 14. I am a debtor both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So... Um, Imagine with me that you've had some, some um, you've received some medical cure for a debilitating disease. Your life was a misery uh, until you uh, went to your doctor and heard the news that there was a new treatment. And so having prescribed the medicine, having taken the medicine and followed the treatment plan, your life was transformed into new health and freedom. And one day you're walking along the road in Edinburgh and you see someone uh, coming towards you and you recognize instantly that they have um, exactly the same condition that you once had. Just to see the agonizing slow walk that they have as they walk along the streets and make prog slow progress, it just reminds you of those terrible symptoms that you once endured. What a misery your life was before you experienced the cure. Well, what do you do next? They're a total stranger to you. And yet surely your compassion for them would 
would it not bring about a very strong compulsion? You need to stop a complete stranger and talk to them. You'd feel a sort of an obligation to stop them and say, look, I, I know what you're going through. I, I, I once experienced exactly the same things that you experienced. But do you know what? My, my life has been transformed. And there's a way that your life can be transformed. And you would urge them to perhaps go to the same doctor that you went to and get the same treatment uh, so that their life could be changed as well. Can you imagine that? Well, that's exactly how the Apostle Paul felt uh, about sharing the gospel, the great news about Jesus Christ. He knew the gospel was the power of salvation to everyone who believes. To everyone who receives this gospel by putting their trust in Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead, that they will also experience the power of God in their lives. You see, the point is that we no longer need to fear sin and death. Uh, the sin that damages us and actually damages those around us and which separates us from God, it can be forgiven. And we can be made right with God. That's the amazing good news that Jesus Christ brings. The Apostle Paul had experienced the transforming power of Jesus in his own life. And so whenever he met other people, he felt this indebtedness to pass on the gospel message to them so they too could experience the transforming, powerful work of God in their lives. Now, don't, don't we feel the same thing? Um, having received the great blessings of the gospel in our own lives, do we not also want others to, to be blessed by Jesus? We want them to know of the power of God that could be at work in their lives. You know, especially as we get alongside people, especially as we get to know what's one of the, the deep troubles that are, that are haunting them and the problems that they face. And, and we know the deepest answer to their struggles is to know and trust Jesus Christ. And so you see, love for others really is the ongoing debt of the Christian who knows how good and amazing is the love of and the grace of God. And clearly this is not just about loving uh, other Christians, but loving every human being that God places before us. As we've seen each Sunday uh, from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 onwards, all of this teaching flows out of knowing the mercy of God, in view of God's mercy. In view of His mercy, we offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And the mercy of God, well, we know that he loved us when, well, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 6, while we were morally weak, while we were godless, while we were sinners, while we were hostile to him. He loved us when we were like that. When we were like that, Christ died for us. And this is the supreme evidence of the love of God, is it not? And when I know that saving, transforming love of God in my life, then it gives me new desires to also love others who are morally weak, sinners, rebels, far off from Him. To love them in the same way that God has graciously loved me. Such undeserved, never-ending love from God means that love is the ongoing debt for everyone we meet. Now, this is not about some romantic, gushy feelings. 
for other people. It is actually just a fundamental commitment to do others good, to be a blessing, to show compassion, uh, to show consideration even to the most difficult of people and the most undeserving of people. For that is how God has treated us. So how can we keep on loving these difficult people day after day? Well, the reason is repeated in verse 8, second half of verse 8, and in second half of verse 10. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So let's think about that. That's my second point. Love is the fulfillment of the law. The, uh, the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, contain the revealed will of God for the lives of his ancient people. And we, uh, we read earlier the Ten Commandments spoken by God to his people, written in stone tablets. And they reveal what the creator God is, is like in his own moral being. He is the holy God who only speaks truth. That's why he tells them not to lie. He is the faithful God to all his promises. He is the one who gives life, who generously gives us all things. And he causes redeemed people to also live out holy lives that reflect his character. These Ten Commandments are expanded on and they kind of, um, they're related to different specific contexts. If you read on in the Pentateuch, the rabbis scoured their scriptures and said that that there were about 613 laws in the Old Testament flowing out of those ten. There were 248 commands and 365 prohibitions. And one of the favorite things that uh, teachers of the law used to do was try and work out of all the commandments, which is the most important. And and, and you can read in... in, um, In Mark's gospel, that's exactly what one teacher of the law says to Jesus, uh, which is the greatest commandment. And Jesus replies in this way, the most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Which is to say, love sums up what God wants us to do. If you want to boil down the laws, what does God want us to do? He wants us to love other people. Love for my fellow human beings is what fulfills the law of God. It's fundamentally the right thing to do. It's what God wants us to do, is to love everyone who crosses our path. Notice with me that love doesn't replace God's law here, uh, so that there's no definition to love. Um, There's an objective moral basis of what true love is. And underneath all those laws uh, about relating to other people and binding it all together is this commitment to love. How does God want you to relate to your difficult flatmate? To love them. How does God want you to relate to your difficult spouse? To love them. How does God want you to relate to your enemy, your nemesis? To love them. How does God want you to relate to the difficult church member? He wants you to love them. For love is the fulfillment of the law. Let me speak to the person with a tender conscience this morning who's feeling racked with guilt because you know that you do not love these difficult people as you ought. Well, this is why, of course, we needed Jesus to come. 
and to die in our place. For none of us loves God wholeheartedly, nor do we love our neighbors as ourselves. That's exactly why Jesus came. Jesus did love God. He did love others perfectly, but he came into the world to save sinners who fall short of this requirement to love. Offering his perfect life uh, in the place of our sinful lives. He took our punishment so that we could be completely forgiven. And what God does in, in, in rescuing us from the condemnation of the law is he also rescues, rescues us from the bondage of the law. We're no longer under the law that we have to keep the law to, uh, to be right with God. No, we're freed from that because of the Spirit. And in fact, God's empowering Spirit is a work in our lives growing within us a genuine love for others. And actually, he's going to help us in our weakness as we pray out to him and ask his help to live these sort of lives of love. Because this is what God wants for us. This is what God enables by his spirit. For love is the ongoing debt and love is the fulfillment of the law. And then Paul basically, thirdly, uh, shows the proof of his reasoning by showing, thirdly, that love does no harm to neighbor in verses 9 and 10. Look back at verse 9. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery... You shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It's vitally important that we understand this fundamental aspect of what true love is according to the Bible. Love does no harm to our neighbors. The Ten Commandments give us a meaningful moral shape to what genuine love looks like instead of the moral mush that we're hearing today that love is love. Uh, last week, uh, Richard Crampton wrote a piece in the Times about the interview that uh, Matt Hancock um, gave in a recent podcast with Stephen Bartlett. Matt Hancock eventually resigned as the government health minister when pictures were printed in the newspaper of uh, CCTV that indicated he was not following the COVID guidelines that he helped put into law during the COVID lockdown. And rather than following the guidance, he was, as a married man, conducting an affair with his advisor at work. Now, during this podcast, um, Matt Hancock's explanation for his actions were this, I fell in love, to which Richard Crampton commented. And I don't think Richard's a Christian, but this is what he commented. He's obviously convinced himself the I fell in love line mitigates his hypocrisy at a time when saying goodbye to dying loved ones, let alone hugging them, wasn't allowed. He's wrong. Couples and parents and children who've been in love for a whole lot longer than Matt and Genus stuck to the rules, to what I suspect will be their everlasting regret. I also don't buy the idea that Hancock broke the rules because falling in love was totally out of my control. There's a lot of nonsense spoken out there about love is love. Oh, I couldn't help it. No, I think when we, when we understand what God has to say here, when we understand the revealed will of God, that he reveals how human beings are to treat each other, uh, that we see what real love looks like. Love does no harm to your neighbor. Love will not do harm to your spouse. Uh, John Stott puts it like this, to commit adultery is to rob someone of their home and honor. 
To murder is to rob someone of their life. To steal is a theft of their property. To covet is to actually rob yourself of contentment and simplicity. The reason that love fulfills the law is that it does no harm to our neighbor. All these commands are summarized in Leviticus 19.18 and quoted in verse 9. Love your neighbor as yourself. This means not only that love will avoid behavior that does not um, harm my neighbor, it also means that love seeks to actively uh, act towards people in ways that do them positive good. For it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now this is not a, a biblical justification for Whitney Houston's classic song, The Greatest Love is to Love Yourself. This is not a self-absorbed narcissism. What does loving yourself mean here? Well, without thinking much about it, healthy people basically uh, take care of themselves. You know, um, we ensure that if we're hungry, we take time to feed our bodies. And if we're thirsty, we take time to to drink some water that will refresh. And and when we're cold, well, we'll put more clothes on and, and find shelter. When we experience pain, we quickly stop whatever is causing our pain. Healthy people seek to avoid doing things that will harm or hurt ourselves. Well, in the same way that you love yourself, seek to do those loving things for others. It's very practical what this love looks like, isn't it? And we're seeing some amazing examples of of what's happening in neighboring countries around Ukraine as people come to offer support for those fleeing war. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law, Paul says. So we who have experienced the the sacrificial, merciful, gracious love of God to us in Jesus, we're called to a life of love because this is what God wants us to do. He saved us to do this. He's empowering us by His Spirit to live this way that we would reflect his amazing love. And if your question is today, well, who is my neighbor? Then I've got a great little bit of scripture for you to read later. Go back and read Luke chapter 10, uh, where, where, where Jesus answers exactly that question by telling us the story about the Good Samaritan. There were lots of ethnic tensions, of course, between the Samaritan people and the Jewish people. And yet when the Samaritan found this Jewish man robbed and badly beaten, he stopped and cared. He took him to a place of safety and he used his own resources to ensure that this man received food and care until his injuries were healed. And so as Christians, we're not to kind of look at people through the lens of skin color or nationality or class or ethnicity or religion. As Christians, um, we're to view people differently to how people in the world view them. We shouldn't be looking at each other and saying, oh, Scottish or other British, as the census gets us to tick. It drove me crazy, that. Other British? Anyway, <laughs> you know, whether you're Scottish or other British, that's not how we see each other as Christians. Whether you're Ukrainian or whether you're Russian, that's not how we see each other as, uh, as, as, that's how as, as Christians we see people. We see people as eternal souls. For whom God sent his one and only son. That whoever believes in him, that they would not perish but have everlasting life. That's how we are to view people. 
eternal souls. So as I close, invite the band to come up. Let's think back to those difficult people. You've got some difficult people popping up into your imaginations. If you consider at the, tar- at the start of the talk. How could you love them and do them good this week? How could you love and do them good today? Just have a moment to reflect on that. And earlier we heard about the new Afghan neighbors. They are our new neighbors just down the street in Haymarket. Um, How could God use us to show his love for them in the way we welcome them here in Edinburgh? Could you be involved in that? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to do? And all this flows out of a deep sense of how amazing it is to be loved by God ourselves. And we're going to come to the table now and remember how he has loved us. And we're going to sing a song as we prepare our hearts. Jesus, thank you.
Please do be seated. It's a wonderful opportunity we've got right now to share together in the Lord's table in communion by whatever name you know it, but it is when we come and remember again that the Lord Jesus Christ, his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, that we might be forgiven. And we invite all those who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ to share this meal with us, to remember again the love of God for us and our love for him and also our love for one another. It is our common union, our communion. And if you love Jesus and if you are in good fellowship with your fellow brothers and sisters, then we invite you to join us. I can already hear the rattling of the... uh, cups. These are not the easiest things if you have them. Take a moment or two just to undo these different layers. Um, It's a wonderful noise that normally isn't associated with uh, our communion service, but there you go. And we want to focus on what is before us. So many of us have uh, done this so many times. The danger is over-familiarity. Remember again what this pictures. Paul writes this, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Let's take that bread here before us as a a thin wafer and remember again that this was that this is picturing for us now the fact that Jesus Christ the very son of God gave his life his body was broken that we might go free Jesus said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me let me pray father we thank you for this very visible reminder of the amazing love for sinners like us. Help us to be thankful in our hearts as we now eat in Jesus' name. Amen. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have pictured for us here the very lifeblood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the picture of that violent death, the death he had to endure so that we might go free. Thank you for such amazing love. Father, capture our hearts again by this love. May it not just pass us by lightly, but impress upon us again 
what the Saviour of the world did to rescue rebels like us. Help us as we drink, to drink in true remembrance of you. Amen. As we stand and sing together, oh, the love of my Redeemer. Let's stand.
seated. Just as we close, um, there are some great ways that we can work this out as a church family together. What Sito was sharing about Afghan refugees, again, Sito said he's going to be uh, over there in that corner. See Sito, if you can help, if you feel you'd like to help or know more about that, that would be great. Go on praying for the U Ukrainian situation. If you, again, bump into Natalia, use the opportunity to encourage her with your words. We've been talking about passion for life. Take these with you, please. Don't leave them on the seat. Use them as a prayer reminder, a bookmark. Use them to uh, give to your friend. And maybe you'd like to help in ways of supporting and uh, volunteering. There are lists outside. If you are here and you just say, what on earth was that about? Um, we have what we call a connect corner. There are some sofas outside, left-hand side of the main door. There'll be people there. Have a chat with them. They would love to give you more information. If you want to know about being baptized, if you want to know about becoming a member, if you want to know about following Jesus, that's a great way to connect with folks there. And a reminder this evening, 7 o'clock, we have our evening service. Many of us join together for that. We would love to see you there this evening as well, 7 o'clock. Let me close with these words of the Apostle Paul. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen.